0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Ike Live. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. I know we are. Uh, Having a great show tonight. We just spoke to the one and only Ryan Lambert. David, it's nice catching up with him. Talking about the kayak world a little bit. Yeah, man. Kayak fishing's really growing. Uh, It's great to hear all that. And I want to remind everybody, your questions and comments are so key to the show. If you've got a question, a comment about anything you hear, please hit us up on the IM. If you're watching over on social media, You could ask the question uh, at Ike Live Show. Also, let me remind you, if you're watching over on Facebook, please like and share the feed. If you do that, we're going to enter you into a contest to win the world-famous Ike Live gift bag over 20 pounds of sponsored products just for you. I know a lot of you watching and listening right now are have been waiting for this. Uh, you watched our announcements earlier in the week, and uh, I, you're probably excited like I am. Uh, got a chance tonight to get on Zoom Machine, one of the pioneers of uh, of a style of fishing that I've been a fan of for a lot of years, which is swim bait fishing, big bait fishing. This guy is real important in the start of that, and and real instrumental in growing the sport of fishing from from the ground up, so... Very, very excited. The first time on Ike Live Show. Brian, uh, we we got I think we got yeah, him I'm ready. ready. Okay, go. we've got him in the queue. Joining us is the one and only Byron Velvic. Woo. Yes. <laughs>
1: Byron Mike, what's up, Iker? What, hey. What up, B? <laughs> Long time, my friend. I'm what up, Mike? <laughs> Dude, it's so good to see you, man.
0: How you been? Dude, great to see you too. All right. First yeah, things first. How many years has it been? Because I'm I'm trying to calculate because I know I, I know we saw each other at the elites uh, yep. and it, ha- it has to be gone on two or three years since we've seen each other. It,
1: you know, it was 2016. I, I ended up having a forced retirement, um, in a, a, a sudden forced retirement, if you will, uh, at the second event. Remember, we went to Florida. We were all in Florida. Then the South Carolina event is when I had to turn the car around and drive back to the homestead.
0: That's right. That's the one where guys were making the obscene runs to freaking Santee Dam and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was at South Carolina. thing where People had to run it forever and ever and ever. It was the first time they'd been to that body of tidal water. And I was 100 miles away from there. And and then things happened and I had to go home. And that was the uh, I called Mercury and. At the time, Triton and everybody else, and told them I uh, I, I got to jump off the tour. So second event of the year 2016, suddenly I quit, and that was probably the last time <laughs> most anybody has seen me. <laughs> well,
0: it's crazy. been it's it's been too long. It's so it's so good to see you. Uh, I I know a lot of people are probably uh, you know asking the same thing, and and I've got the same question. What what, what have you been up to? What, what's 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 from that moment to now? What's Byron been up to?
1: I have become a full-time dad, so I am full-time, for the most yes. part, I'm,
2: I'm,
1: I'm full-time popping it. I take my daughter to school, I drop her off, I pick her up, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've committed to parenthood and I'm raising my little girl, uh, you know, my, my, my ex and I uh, share custody and she has her, but on the Mondays through the Thursdays and Fridays and, you know, the weekends and whatnot, I just grind along doing uh, doing a lot of parenting, that's what I do now
0: yeah that that's awesome i can tell you all all of us uh here with the exception of riz because riz is like 18 or something uh yeah. we're all we're all dads yeah. and and we know for sure it's it's life
1: changing it's it's life changing you know, uh and it's hard to determine mike you know i know you remember the days you're missing your kids first bike ride or the tooth falling out yeah. or the daddy daughter dance that, those are tough things to miss man i I, I, I was brokenhearted. I used to watch Skeet and everybody out there blast off just crying because they were missing so many milestones with their kids. You know how that
2: goes.
0: Oh, dude, I, I, I remember it. I know it now. You know, as as I sort of enter the back half of my career, I right. I think about it all the time. You know, there, yeah. there are things that I think about. There are things that I, I question. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: rank, rank it for me, Byron. You, you've been involved in a lot of amazing stuff over the years. Uh, in, in the fishing world and other businesses, being a dad, rank that for me. Where's that at in your life?
1: You know, I was talking to Zona today. It's funny you said that because I was texting. Zona was out here at Choke Canyon recently, and and uh, we we're talking about swim baits and sight fishing and Choke Canyon and whatnot. And and, and I, don't, I wouldn't want to win another elite event. I don't need another big sponsor. I don't need to hoist another trophy over my head, you know, when she puts her arms around you and says, I love you, Papa, or – you know, just, just a, a moment where something happens and there's that flash of a smile. And that that that's more to me than, than another sponsor, another tournament win, another TV show. I mean, you and I have had our run of TV shows yeah. on ESPN and NBC Sports. And, you know, all those shows were great. And doing commentary for uh, ESPN at Bassmasters, FLW and whatnot. They're all awesome. But nothing compares to what I'm doing right now, which is yeah. just right in the knee-deep of a, of a nine-and-a-half-year-old girl who's here with her friend right now having a play date because we, we just got off the lake. We were at Amistad today. So went to Amistad, caught a bunch of fish, and now we're just having a play date.
0: That, that's awesome. I, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think uh, family, fatherhood, it's the most important thing in life. and For, for me, it definitely trumps everything. Uh, all those trophies, it, it trumps those. Uh, I, I just want to straight-up ask you this because this is uh, – for me, a big year. You know, the 2021 for me is a year of change and uh, right. sort of at a segue point uh, for me professionally. Um, I need to know this because this is something I'm going to be going through soon. Do you miss it, like like watching it from afar? And, and you're can't. still a fan. I know you're <laughs> still a fan. You still love to fish. You're still passionate about it. You're a fishhead. You'll always be a fishhead, just like me. Yeah. Yeah. How how can how do you handle it? Because I, I'm going to be watching it from afar, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it. You
1: know. It, Mike, I got to tell you, it's really hard. I don't <laughs> follow it. I cannot follow it. It's so you it don't a, watch like it. it. I cannot watch it. I I, I don't want to hear about guys cracking them on swim baits. I don't want to know that there's a great sight fishing bite going on. I don't want to, I I call my friends and they're like, oh, well, there's a tour event, you know, this week. And I don't, I don't even know when there's a tour event. I can't watch a fishing show. I can't watch an MLF show. I, 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 unfortunately, because my retirement was unexpected it was sudden. I wasn't planning it. It wasn't because of a neck injury. It wasn't a, a, a nice, you know, bow out like you're going to be able to take a nice, you know, hey, I'm I'm hanging it up. I've made the decision. My decision was was brought on, right. you know, suddenly. Right. And because of that abortion from the business and the sport of it, I cannot, Mike, watch a fishing show or follow a tournament trail. Wow. I can't. Wow! And I just cold. got my head buried in the, I got my head buried in anything but that. And my friends give me updates, but I yeah, I don't even know who's fishing where.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting mm. because yeah. I've heard that from other people about other professions, right? I've I've heard it from you know musicians and uh, you know actors and where where they just they were you know they had to get out and they just they just shut it off, right? Just cold turkey, just cut it yeah. off, and and that you know that that's a good way. I think that is a good way to handle it, you know? And, and I, and I don't know for me, I don't know. Um, uh, it happened to me, like it happened to me, Byron,
3: just like that. Yeah. Uh, when I stopped fishing on tour, yeah, um, like you, I couldn't watch a show. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. not, I couldn't do it. It depressed me. It, it put me in a bad place. I didn't care. I was frustrated and angry with everything and, uh, didn't know what I was doing. Um, And it lasted for several years, be honest with you, you know, about following the tour, you know? Yeah. And, um, but then, you know, we, Mike, you started Ike live. Yeah. And, um, and started, I started, okay, well, we're going to, we got uh, the winner on this week. Let me, let me see what's going on. And I started (laughs) and slowly, slowly I started becoming a fan again. Um, and now I'm, I'm a bigger fan now than probably I ever was. Yeah. But I needed that time, like, that you're going through, I guess, right now. I needed that time to just completely step away from it, uh, you know, for me to, like, kind of heal from it. Yeah. And um, But now I love it, you know. I'm back in. I watch everything now.
2: Yeah. It's funny
1: you said that because when I was doing FLW, I mean, I was completely out, but I was still doing the commentating. So I would get caught up in each tournament that I was co-hosting you know and and working those tournaments and so i got caught up in the excitement of the flw cups cuz i was being hired for those flw cups and then also for their commentary uh that they also had that one tournament season so i i i almost was because i was commentating i was kind of you know like you said you know for, following it at that time but boy i sure didn't want to hear about Extracurricular tournaments and and yeah. bites that were going off that you feel like <laughs> man I'd like to have been there to been on that that body of water and that bite makes you sick that you're not there that's the tough part man yeah. that's the part yeah. that
0: means. yeah now I I do want to ask this you know you look at your daughter's nine and you know nine another nine years seems like a long time but it's actually you know as we get older you know how quick nine years goes is getting back to the tour. Professional fishing. Any? Would would you consider that, Byron, as as your daughter grows up and leaves the house?
1: Would you consider going back? Are are, are we we talking about a senior tour, Mike? Is that what we're thinking about? No, I'm shit. Are going to start a senior tour? Because I'm all in. Could you imagine me at 65 trying to throw a swim bait? I think I'll throw my joint out. I'll
2: definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Five-year-old guys throwing swim baits and tearing rotator cuffs, thinking they're still 35, you know, throwing that 12-inch bait and trying to throw a HUD out there. It's like we're going to break ourselves.
0: Yep. Byron, any, anything's possible. I'm I'm qualifying for the 2024 Olympics in the breakdancing segment, so anything's yeah. possible. Don't 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 second guess yourself,
4: Byron. You need to start thinking about it though, because I'm going to tell you something. I got one that's 25 now, and by the time they get to high school, you're yeah. not as cool as you are when they're nine and a half. Dude. <laughs> I hate to tell you, my friend, I really do, bro. But you need to need to so get that engine that tuned I'm up probably. and start thinking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you, know, you know what I've you know what I've kind of gotten into, which I think is neat. Is I've I've got a couple offers, and I've been doing some uh, educational guiding, which is cool. Guys that yeah. around the country that just want to learn how to swim bait or sight fish, especially those two things, because those, those are the two things I've been doing for like thirty plus years. So I get guys that that, that get a hold of me, and they'll do. A, they'll even I'll even fly out to wherever they're at and do a, a sight fishing or swim bait you know day on the water. That's that's a neat venue because it's kind of like a tour pro one day guide trip. And it's not about catching fish, it's about putting a guy in the boat with you and literally giving him everything you got whether it's his boat or your boat, but handing him eggs, going from soup to nuts on baits and line and rods yeah. and reels and cast and cadence. And that, that, that educational, informative guide thing. And it's very, you know, very particular. I only do it on days. I don't have my daughter. Yeah. If I don't have my daughter and there's a guide trip available in San Antonio or, or anywhere in the country, I I think that's a neat thing to do. It's yeah, a lot of fun.
0: That's really cool. And, and Byron, you brought up uh, this, this is definitely something we've heard over the last Two or three months. We've had the, the amazing opportunity to have guys here like Oliver Nye. Uh, we've had uh, Matt Newman. We've had the Bailey brothers on the show. And every time we have these swimbait guys on, they talk about the heyday, and they talk about uh, you know Byron being very much at the forefront of all this. Uh, for those of you watching, uh, Byron, I w- I'll put you on the spot. Two-time U.S. Open champ. Three wins at Bass, including that giant win with that huge three-day weight, record weight over over at Clear Lake. Uh, do you do you look back on those days? Did you realize what was going on when it was happening? That all these years later, you'd be a pioneer of that movement.
1: You know, I, I it's it, you know, and I, I I was really sad to see, and we lost Tim Tucker. You remember Tucker? We oh yeah. We lost him yeah. Too soon, and he was he was following me and baits like there was no tomorrow, and he'd come out to Texas he'd look at everything when steve kennedy cracked him at clear lake you know he was right there in the mix with me talking about it. he goes byron is this going to be a national bait or is this just a west coast one trick wonder yeah and i kept saying this thing applies across the country this is like flipping and pitching back in the day when when only dave Glebe and d thomas were flipping and pitching and you remember what happened they were they were finding fish that nobody else had seen yeah they were making fish do things that nobody else could find because they were the the pioneers of flipping and pitching and putting those baits way back in there. And that was when we were kids, Mike. You and I were growing up when when D. Thomas and Dave Glebe brought that technique to the forefront. When I started throwing swim baits, I was an ocean fisherman, but a tournament bass fisherman. And those ocean guys, a few of us were figuring out that you could catch these giants on these, these, these giant ocean lures at the time that looked like a rainbow trout. And if you remember this, Mike, I'm sure you do. Super spooks used to be big to us. Do you remember a super spook? Oh, we they were yeah. huge. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah we Hell played yeah. a super spook. Oh my gosh, they're eating a three-hook spook. That's made for the ocean. Back then, the fisherman's mindset was uh, a DD-22 or a super spook was a monster. And I saw what these fish were doing to these trout. And that became, when I was able to apply that in tournament bass fishing, I mean, I clearly can catch that 80, 85.3 pounds for three days. That was when, I, I, you know, it blew the world away. But, but people still didn't think it was going to be a national thing. And now we know it is a national so, thing. And I, I never thought it could have. I wish Tim Tucker would have been around to write about it. Because yeah. he was at the forefront of following it. Yeah. yeah.
4: It was so, Byron, when we were kids, I allowed these two jackals sitting in here, Brian and Mike, I, I yeah. used to throw this giant Rapala. It was like a shad wrap. That was. Super, it's the super shad wrap. It was, and they shamed me out of it. Like <laughs> I came up with the idea but I'm like, man, I think these fish eat these things. They shamed yeah. me out we of it. We shamed him
0: I... out of everything that he came up with. It Didn't matter if it was little or big. We, yeah. out.
4: <laughs> we did actually. Yeah, we
1: shamed them <laughs> oh, you, oh, you shamed me we right shamed out did. of it, dude. Now, uh, the you great what, thing. You know what I always do when I do my swim bait seminars? I tell people we've all caught these little bass. Like almost fingerling-sized bass on jerk baits and crank baits, and you say to yourself, "What is that little dude doing eating that bait?" Yeah. You know what I'm talking—like a five or six or seven-inch bass yeah. eating a full-size lure. And and I think Rick Clun said it best when he said, "If bass grew to eighty pounds, kids on jet skis would not be safe." <laughs> 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 because bass are freaks, aren't they? An and yeah. eighty-pound bass would take a shot at a kid on a jet ski, even though he couldn't eat it, just to just to beat it up. Oh, just yeah, to I never it up. heard and that. That's yeah, when came in because. You know, you're throwing a 10- or 12-inch bait. A bass just wants to annihilate it, kill it, and leave it for dead. But fishermen had never thrown them, and I, I could not believe the reaction I used to get on those big baits around the country. Yeah. When I took that big bait and went around the country, those fish had never seen it. They'd eat it off the side of my boat. They'd chase it to the boat, and they would hit themselves against the side of the boat to eat the swim bait off the
4: side <laughs> of my boat.
0: How about it? It's so crazy. I, I remember, like vividly remember, coming out to the West Coast and, uh, Byron, if you remember, we filmed a video called, B- uh, Big Bait Posse, which is very, it's iconic video now, like yeah. young swimbait kids now look at it like the first skateboarding video yeah. ever created, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like the movie, yeah. Rad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like the movie rad, you yeah. know, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I remember going out there and I remember you, you know, uh, inviting me out there and getting the fish with you and Matt and the Bailey brothers and you guys and, um, I remember looking at that bait and saying, what in the fuck is this thing? <laughs> like, no, nobody's going to eat this bait. And yeah. I got to see the magic of it back then. And yeah. uh, it's so neat, you know, to be a part of the sport where you got to see it elevate and elevate. But I tell you, yeah. I want to ask you your opinion on this. I still, even as much exposure as you've given it and as the, the new guys have carried it on, I still don't think it's it's being exploited to its full potential. Do you not at
1: all? No. And again, I think there's a lot of guys, you know, if you read about Aaron Martins in a drop shot, you go out and pick up a drop shot. You can go out and catch a bunch of fish in a day. But when you pick up a swim bait and you go for six, seven hours without getting bit, a lot of guys try it. And then they put it down. And, and these guys that I do this VIP guiding with, these are guys that have a bunch of swim baits. They're tournament fishermen, but they don't have any confidence in swim bait fishing and you can't, go out like a drop shot and just catch them on it easily. You have to have all these little windows and all these particulars and the cadence and everything else. And I don't think it's been exploited yet, Mike. I I think there's still a huge frontier, especially for deep swim baits. You know that that 30, 40, 50 foot of water that over twenty foot and deeper big swim bait fishing hasn't even been touched yet.
0: Right. Yeah it's it's Uh, it's, mm. it's wide open. It's it's interesting that so many other avenues have been explored and this one I think is still Still underexplored.
4: I wish I had forget the world kind of money because I'd go out there and get the VIP swim bee treatment. Oh
0: you <laughs> You're telling me you didn't hit the Mega Millions the other day, Dave? I thought that was you. Nah, nah, I wish. It was Come one on now. I, wasn't...
1: I, I'll it. Hey, listen. Anybody wants to get a hold of me and do this? That, what I like about it is you go out and you show somebody every. You let them show you what they're doing, and you say, "Well, let me tell you what I think you might want to improve on or change." And here's some of the bait. You know, the bait, the way we tune them, and the way we tweak them, and and the way it works. And you can you can pretty much get a guy completely dialed in a day. If you just spend a day talking swimmates the whole day, but yeah. it takes a. You gotta always have somebody show you this because, like you said, Mike, it hasn't been figured out by yeah. so many people. Yeah. It just hasn't been figured out because it's it's not easy to do. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to throw that big bait all day long and believe that you're gonna get your arm ripped off.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting interesting technique. Uh, I want to jump back even further. You know, I, I think a lot of people watching tonight, Byron, uh, watching and listening. They know you from a lot of things. They, they know you from your wins on tour. They know you from TV. Uh, you know They, they see you as, as the glitzy guy. But I want to jump back and go old school, old school, old school. I want to go way back. In fact, we might even uh, patch in a surprise guest here in a second. And I, I want to go back, back. And, and I want everybody watching and listening to know that it always wasn't that glitzy. Bass fishing wasn't that glitzy. <laughs> there was a day when, Byron, when you were sleeping in a damn minivan. And wait, we got a guy to put you on the spot about it. Skeet Reese joining us tonight. Ah Skate! Uh, Skeet, tell us about now, this. Skeet, tell, tell us about this white freaking minivan you got. <laughs> you guys were traveling. You guys were like a band of gypsies what? on the West Coast. Tell us about this.
5: Yeah, and he, I got my glass of wine, so I'm just, I'm good. What do you guys got over there? What
0: are you drinking? We, we got whiskey and oh beer over here, Cheers. on. Cheers.
1: Come on, B-Boy. Cheers. I got my Snoop Dogg. I got my new Snoop Dogg wine. I got to get some.
4: Snoop <laughs> Dogg wine. He does. He has wine, dude. I saw the sign. <laughs> no, no. Snoopy! Damn oh, yeah. yeah.
5: Snoop? Here goes the show now.
1: There's uh, my Snoop Dogg wine. i got to find it. Yeah,
2: that's, <laughs> that's amazing.
1: Tamara, oh, I know I'm not drinking wine. <laughs> Go back. Go well, back. That influence over here, Steve. Thank you. You're not going to drink wine. Oh, my God. Um, uh, there's
5: so th- if they ever ran like DNA samples on Byron's van.
2: Oh <laughs> hey, hey.
4: <But>
5: the van <laughs> right the, here. The computer would have just like <laughs> overloaded. <laughs> there was so much good yeah,
4: it would from look from like Hugh Hefner's massage out. table, right?
2: <laughs> oh
1: my God, Skeet's been drinking ball? tonight. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> don't even pretend like you don't know. <laughs>
2: don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, I was in a little right. silver Astro so Van I was Byron ringing, is the
5: original heho of bass fishing.
1: <laughs>
2: oh my heho!
1: <laughs> heho! I think John Murray came up with that. Bernie Schultz was the hee-ho, I think wasn't it and, Bernie
5: that started that? So, well, here, just tell them about stripers for strippers.
1: Oh, <laughs> I won't talk about that one either. I plead the fifth. I don't even know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we caught a lot of striped bass in Las Vegas. People of the strip clubs really like the owners of the strip clubs love striped bass. So if you show up to the club with a box full of frozen stripers. You could have anything you want. Wow. 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 And, right. and, and I can tell you'll appreciate this. It's a mercury oil box with a whole bunch of frozen stripers. They wanted them whole and gutted and just sticking their little frozen tails out. And you were walking into a completely crowded <laughs> club and you were dropping off in the office. They would take you to the office and take these stripers. You give them a box full of stripers and you had cart blocks that night at the club.
6: Oh, my oh, God. Wow.
1: This he was is, right there with me. Uh, I had carte blanche, and then uh, the rest of us were just bystanders.
5: Yeah, the yeah. bystanders.
0: But, but right there with me, dude. But All this is way this is mind blowing. <laughs> this is what I love about this. Like, there are so many young anglers right now watching this, and even young tour guys that you know when they look at fishing, you know, I think a lot of these guys are jaded, right? You know, their moms and dads they they got a twenty five hundred diesel truck waiting for them when they turn eighteen. Dude, this to me was the heyday of the sport. Yeah, these stories yeah. it brings me back. Like I can close my eyes and watch you guys traveling from tournament to tournament with these little escapades in the middle. Dude, what a <laughs> glorious time for fishing back glorious. then. Glorious.
1: And, and, and to your point, Mike. I, I mean, my Astro Man, Honest to God, I, I I got a hold of Chevy because I rolled it over four times. I did four hundred eighty thousand miles on that Chevy Astro Man. Wow. Four hundred eighty thousand
5: women too.
0: <laughs>
1: Get him off, okay? I think he's drank too much. <laughs> okay. uh,
2: Byron's trying to kick you off. Uh,
0: I want to keep putting you on the spot, though. So you, you know, more than more than just the escapades, the tournament fishing, because you
4: <laughs> no the escapades and both actually both, but
0: but you guys didn't start out as as superstars. When you think about that class of guys that came out of the West Coast in that era, right? you know, John and Byron and Skeet and Aaron and so many of those guys in that, in that time period, you, it didn't just happen like that. You guys didn't just turn a switch. You worked your ass off. You, you, you grind
1: it, and I, I want guys to know that. That was a lot of hard work back then. Oh yeah, Skeet. Skeet had an aluminum boat deal. He was fishing a Lund. You know, Skeet was in and out of boat deals, working at the tackle store, and, and 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 I'm not bashing Skeet, but we all were basically. If we won a boat, we'd think about keeping it to fish out of it because we were borrowing boats and stealing boats and bought and and trying to buy a boat, and it was it wasn't like we had boat sponsors and didn't have car sponsors putting 400,000 miles on a car and. Skeet was over there working in a tackle store, and we were all really, really hungry, and we were we were having to – all we could live on back out there was in West was our tournament winnings. We didn't have a sponsor roster, so you went tournament to tournament. Skeet, I know you're going to bring it up, but I would go golf balling. I'd pick up golf balls all the way home. Wow. <laughs> no
5: kidding.
1: you a lot of balls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Remember the golf, golf balling ball. days? I mean, golf my thing balls. was to put golf on a wet ball. suit. Golf balls. That was how I made all my <laughs> money. And I had, I had really to have a back of
5: yeah, I mean I'm looking at so Byron, Byron was an inspiration to me growing up. I mean, he he really he mentored me on the swim bait portion of it. Yeah. You know, and I was able to take it and have some success with it too. But you know, there was Russ Meyer and Byron were like the only two guys I knew that that had anything like this, you know, swim bait like that. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Yep. Byron let me into a few of his little secrets back then and but we were both just vagabonds living in vehicles, sleeping in our vehicles at boat ramps. Um, you know, I was homeless, living in a vehicle for six months. Byron lived in a van just by choice for nine years.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I liked living in that van. It was more comfortable than the Roach motels. We didn't have the RBO. Hey, there was no such thing as VRBO RBO back then. You couldn't <laughs> rent a house either. You stayed at the, the Regency or whatever it's called, the Goodnight Inn in you fall, out of Alabama, or you slept in your van. At least you knew in your van you weren't gonna get bed bugs. But my gosh, those hotels. <laughs> you were caught awful. other things in
2: that van probably. <laughs> was, so hey <laughs> was, Byron, uh, I, I, I <laughs> Byron, I have
4: to know, as a normal civilian male that never experienced the things you did
2: <laughs> and I speak on behalf
4: of pretty much every guy probably watching this. For for those of you guys that don't know, and you're younger guys, Byron was on The Bachelor about fifteen years ago, right Byron? About fifteen?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, what was that, 2006? You're right. Oh, right, after. Longer, right.
4: And right now, like, my wife and her cousin Roe are watching because you're on. <laughs> they are. They're her waiting. cousin yeah, Ro. Yeah, yeah, Roseanne's. <laughs> so anyway, my point, my point, Byron, what is it like as, as, as a normal guy to actually when you finally started getting chased by the paparazzi and they're trying to catch pictures of you on the sly? What's that like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was weird. That 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 to be I was a 40-year-old divorced bass fisherman. I had, had a, a a quick marriage that didn't last very long with no kids. And so I'm back on tour. I'm living to Skeet's Point. I'm living in my Astro Van. ABC starts calling me because my friends told me about the show and they threw me in it. I'd never watched the show. And all of us on tour had never watched the show. We watched Jesse James, Monster Garage, and the Weather Channel before we went to bed. Those were the only two things we watched that I remember. So we're watching just your regular you know, Monster Garage type shows. And and, and 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 then all of a sudden, ABC tells me a dating show. And it shocked me that they picked me to be on that show. And it was the weirdest reality when they put you on private jets and fly you around and give you all these roses and tell you to pick out women. And I would have never in a million years <laughs> I'd be hanging out with Dennis Miller at the Emmys or being on The View with, uh, you know, everybody and, and, and Jimmy Kimmel and, and Ellen DeGeneres. That was a weird reality. Very weird 15 minutes for sure.
2: Cause I,
4: I drew a co-angler up in Champlain that told an interesting story. He drew you, too, and he talked about you dodging paparazzi like in the wee dark hours of the morning, the morning of the yeah. tournament. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's... They
1: were trying to get a picture of me with anybody because they were trying to figure out if you really were with the girl from the show or you weren't with the girl from the show. Yeah. The paparazzi thing was very, very weird. That Did they is... ever follow you out on the lake? There were there were times that they were out on there were boats out there and a bunch of people taking pictures. And then I'd see them like I guess they would sell those pictures to In Touch magazine or Us magazine or you'd see the picture pop up and you knew they were on the they were they were in one of the spectator boats but they were just taking pictures and then they would sell those pictures because they were paparazzi to. To those 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 weekly rags and and, and you'd see them pop up. So I got a figure was,
4: for your nine year old. It's got to be horrifying for her to watch like fifty year old broads perving on you, right? Like <laughs> at the supermarket, right? What does she
1: say about that? <laughs> she, she, you know, she every time somebody recognizes, she she always wonders if it's somebody from fishing or if it's somebody. She only found out the Bachelor about six months ago. She found out. Okay. It was wow. So she, it, I
2: think,
1: eight and a half years from her, and she finally
0: found out. Yeah, it's so yeah. it's crazy. Uh, it's. It, it's, it's It's interesting to me because, you know, when you look back on it, uh, this is a question for both you guys, Skeet especially. When you guys Uh were back then traveling in your van, scraping by, you know, bare boning it, did you ever think
2: that one was, was, was for buying? A lot of bare <laughs> boning. Over. Yeah, that was for buying. <laughs>
4: um, New swim bait color. Did you, did you ever think it would get to
0: this point? Like honestly, like, did you ever think years later it would get to the point where it's at now? <laughs>
5: no chance in hell. Uh, yeah, I just i was like byron we just wanted to catch fish for a living chase you know just the the lifestyle the thought of competing catching fish traveling around sounded like fun i know for myself i never you know i never fathom i'd be in this position that i've been in for how many years and um you know the industry providing what is provided and the experiences that i've had so um yeah, you can't foresee it. Also, you know the only the one thing that keeps us we all, everybody watching this show right now, that's in your room, that's on the camera right now, we're all here because we have one common passion, and that is the love for fishing. Yeah
4: and But Skeet, Ski, what, the, Skeet, what would you give up. to be able to have captured with a GoPro? Like your first couple of years with Byron on, on the road, <laughs> <laughs>
2: what did you get, bro? <laughs> well, they make movies right? <laughs>
1: I remember yeah. Steve and I had some funny, funny moments, especially after that show when him and I were still back to just being our normal selves, and and there were some crazy things happening around us because of the show. And Skeet's like. <laughs> The weird reality of it all was bizarre for both of us to to and we grew up together like Skeet said we we were two poppers living in cars and 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 barely making it and, yeah. and like anything that we could win at a tournament would get us to the next tournament and any side job or any guiding trip or whatever else that would pay the bills to get us there and I I think we both my one of my big epiphanies, and I know you've done it too, Mike, and I, well, a lot of us have, is go to Japan, yeah. and then you go to Spain, yeah. and you're sitting going, "Oh my God, I'm in Japan, I'm in Spain, I'm in the Euro Cup, and this is bass fishing." Made us brought us take took us around the world. That's those, those are those moments where you're flying to and from other countries, and 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 being treated like a celebrity in those countries because of bass fishing. That's and you're thinking, crazy. this is the, this, this kid in the back of an Van would have never dreamed to be invited.
4: <laughs> <laughs> those places. It's crazy. Now, Byron, did your fishing ever take you to, like, some third-world countries that may have just been seeing your season of The Bachelor for, like, the first time? Like, they're still watching Baywatch in, like, Ukraine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm just wondering. Like, was it fresh to them? Hey, this is about Pamela
5: Anderson, I'm watching still, too. (laughs) Laser disc.
4: Now, nah, have you, you seen her we, recently? She looks like one of them, like one the old school, like creepy puppet that would come alive at night. Like, that her face, she'd get all kinds of stuff. I uh, saw they no, get an interview about Julian Assange. No, Byram. the old
0: Pam, the old Pam. We want the old
1: Pam. Yeah, yeah.
4: sorry, Byron. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. I, I I actually had an interesting thing happen when we were doing Bass Center. And when when we were doing Bass Center, I, I, remember, I remember Bass Center. The Elevator at ESPN. And a guy freaked out. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I can't. He got on the phone with his wife. They lived in Japan. And they were currently watching The Bachelor, which had already aired yeah. for us like three years before. I knew it. Wow. And they were wrapped up in it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wrapped up in other countries. And it's really yeah. weird. You get, you get some weird stuff on Facebook from people that are watching it in other countries because it, it does air in other places. And that's bizarre because they're – it, it, it's just weird that it's it's still out there. And even now, people recognize you from the show, and I can't believe they would remember you after 15 years.
4: You're like, yeah, dude, be- that chick, like, died four years ago. You know what I mean? They don't even know because they're just watching it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> I,
0: I do want to put you guys on the spot about something, which is the, the heyday of bass fishing, the heyday of bass fishing. And we've had, in the last couple of months, we were lucky to have some so we had Roland on. Yeah. We had Randy Blockett on the show. We had some real old-timers, and we asked them that. We've had some young guys on in the last few months. Uh, we've all asked them I. the same question. But I want to ask both of you guys, Byron and Skeet. I'm going to start with you, Skeet. Was that the heyday of bass fishing, that, that you know, early, uh, late 90s to mid-2000s, you know, when all this was going down, when bass fishing was spiking, you know, and and, and – you know, we, we were getting mainstream coverage and, you know, Skeet, you were, you know, you were taking rods to the masses and creating a brand. Was that the heyday of bass fishing? Has it peaked or is the heyday still coming?
5: Well, that's a really good question, Mike. Um, I'd like to think that there's still another heyday ahead of us, but I'm uncertain. Um, you know, the, the world's such a different place than it was.
2: Yeah.
5: Um I just look as, as growing up as a Western angler, Byron and I, I mean, that was our, that was, that was our living. If you could go win a boat, that's how you survive for a year. Yeah. You used to have three or four tournament trails out here that every tournament you could win a boat. So right. you might have whatever, 12, 15 chances to win a boat on the West coast before. Um, those are pretty much dried up. Um, you know, I'd say since early two thousands, those start going away. Uh, I know from my career, I look at, you know, what, you know, I think the biggest transformation was when ESPN purchased bass yeah. and we had that, just that insurgence of the the brand name, not that it really moved the needle from a television standpoint because it really didn't, but the perception of it was greater than it had been in a long time. So I think it brought more awareness to it. Obviously it's, you know, you look at the money that ESPN spent on the TV program from bass center and, um you know what Byron was doing there's yeah I I I look at that I guess it was I don't know 2005 to 2010 range was was pretty epic years for our sport and I don't know Mm -hmm. if we'll ever see that again I know that there's a whole group of people working really hard to make sure that it happens again Mm is trying to make it so happen
4: I yeah. think to say anything otherwise is like a bullshit Hallmark card, Skeet, because nothing's going to beat you being a young man with Byron kicking broads out the swing door, peeling out of a parking lot, and and, and popping on the stage on ESPN. <laughs> like, how are you going to beat that, dude? Like, you know what I mean? It's pretty here. hard to beat.
7: <laughs> I got to yep.
4: tell you. it's pretty here. hard hey, to beat. You know Byron's the
5: only one I know has been banned from Bass.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually, I, I actually got banned for life from Bass at one tournament. I mean, in the heyday <laughs> to that point, there were a lot of, and, and Rick Clunn always complimented me on getting all the rules posted against me. Like you know, you know, you're doing something right when they make rules to stop you from doing whatever you're doing. And and and, <laughs> and one guy actually, one tournament director at one time actually banned me for life from a tournament in Rayburn. And, and, and all those stories, gosh, Skeet, it's crazy what it used to be uh-huh. at. I don't know. That was NASCAR days. Those were the early NASCAR days. They really were. Yeah. I mean, now, I, 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 we need to hear the story because I don't
0: think a lot of our listeners and viewers don't know the story of you being ejected from Bass. Uh, temporarily, because you ended up back at Bass. But why, why, it, were, you,
1: lasted, why were you
4: ejected? It, what, he swim bait somebody? I don't
1: know. <laughs> one, it lasted one season because uh, I drew a guy. This was in the old days. This was tough. This was the tough time when you went boat-to-boat draw. Yeah. So you would draw these guys, and it was pro-pro draw, flip a coin for spot, flip a coin for boat. It was a battle. you know. And, and sadly, going back on that, I told my boat, this is not the one I got banned from, I would take my boat from Southern California to upstate New York to fish Thousand Islands. I'd go out on the main lake. I'd get on the big smallmouth. I'd meet a guy from Alabama who wanted to go catch largemouth up the other side of the river. We'd flip a coin for boat. We'd flip a coin for spot. I would never make it back to my spot on the on the ri- on the lake with the smallmouth. I'd never get to use my boat because after the first day you're out, and All this right. was the tough times that the young guys don't know about, yeah. you could go your boat to New York and never and practice and get a great practice going and then because of a flip of a coin and a bad draw the first day yeah. and you lost a flip of a coin, you never got back to your fish and you never got in your boat again during yeah. the tournament. Dang. Those were those were insanely tough times. Yeah. That Byron, was you
5: avoided the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done, Scott. <Skeet. laughs> well, that leads me to why I got into it. I, I drew a kid at Rayburn. Should I say his name or not? I don't know. Well, sure. To you don't Absolutely. Have to say, it's like live. What, you
0: can say and do anything you want. What does it rhyme yeah.
1: with? I don't even know where he is now, but I'm going to get defamation of character and libel suit. He's probably an attorney somewhere, so I better be <laughs> careful.
4: Now, you can, o- you can only get defamation if, you c- if they can prove uh, any kind of loss came from the accusation. Now you can say what they did to you and be clean. Here's
1: what happened. I drew a kid who, who, who everybody congratulated me on after I did this, but we got into it because I drew him the first day. I put him on the fish and I, he really caught a pretty decent bag. And we were, I was, I caught decent bag too, but then unfortunately I drew a guy in the top 10 for the second day. So even though I'm in the top 30, 35, I'm in the top 30 at Rayburn, I got a guy that's in the top 10. So I got to go in his boat. I got to go to his fish and I got, to, and I can't go to my fish. So this little schmuck, and I, I've heard <laughs> his so cuss, I can use that word here. prick. <laughs> this little prick <laughs> decides to go out and he knows that I'm not going to be in my boat on my spots. So he goes out and starts milking on day two. I didn't know this was happening till noon. At noon, the guy that I'm with, who's in the top 10 is falling apart. And he goes, you're in the top 30, right? I go, yeah. He goes, do you think your fish are going? Cause his fish weren't. Yeah. And we're at Rayburn. I go, yeah, let's go to my fish. They should be fine. Well, guess what? We go to my fish and I'm having to fight every single main lake point down there at the lower part of, uh, of Rayburn with Todd from the first day. And Todd and I are getting into it and I'm he won't let me get with an earshot of him, but he's basically battling me on my own water, having never been there except for with me the first day. Yeah. End of the second day, I go there, I confront him dewey kendrick tells me to he goes you handle it byron i don't have time for it Mm -hmm. so i decided to handle it i decided i was gonna handle it i went and approached todd and i said man i don't know what you were thinking but you had no right to be on those fish those fish were i took you there yesterday and he goes well byron i had a pretty good bag and i'm gonna go back on those fish again tomorrow and that's when i basically open-handedly gave him a like slap on the face. I yeah. Come on. Oh, you, you went French door on him and yes. slapped
4: him in the face. Yes.
1: Damn. <laughs> yeah. And you're a second Texan would have punched him and knocked him in the dirt, but I gave him, I gave him basically a bitch slap and I said, listen, and I wanted to wake him <laughs> up. I said, you had no right to be there. It was a bitch slap. And I gave him a bitch slap and I said, you had no right to be there yet today. You should have been there. I took you there yesterday. Don't show your ass up there tomorrow. Well, he figured out now, if he gets me disqualified, he could finish the spot the next day. He uh-huh. runs with Drew Kendrick, and he says, I just got slapped by Byron Velvick. And so,
4: Drew comes
2: up to <laughs> Oh, and my goes, God.
4: Not only did you get <laughs> slapped as a man, but you went and admitted to yes. another man that you got slapped. <laughs> yes.
2: Dude. Oh, my God. Dang, <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> hey, dude.
1: And they're like, man, only Californians must do the slapping. I really ruined everything. I'm like, I'm a San Jose. <laughs>
2: now, now I saying, Byron. I
4: slapped him. I slapped him in the face. But, Byron, like, oh, yeah. like, I guess on a speed scale <laughs> of like, you know, you have like a five-year-old that maybe bites you and you tap him on the cheek, or like a full-handed like WWE-type slap to the cheek. Where would you put that slap to Todd's face? Way more WWE than a <laughs> would. So I was, you I cracked <laughs> him, all right. It was a WWE- <laughs> It, it, was,
1: it was too bad there weren't cameras on it. Oh, man. Shout out to hey, Dewey for so hey, letting that got happen. i a
2: question. Did you I, get DQ a question, for a long time?
5: Mike, so you're old school. Pete, you're old school. B's old school. So back in the day, tournaments used to be head-to-head draws, whether it was a Redman yeah. tournament trail, the Bassmaster Invitational's, the Opens. So I'm a firm believer that back in the day, when you fished head-to-head, Against somebody in the boat, it taught you about boat positioning because you had to cockblock that dude behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and so how so but today's competition, today's competitors have never experienced that situation. Right. So I, I believe that the anglers from back then were better anglers because of that head to head competition in a boat. And I'm just curious on somebody else's thought on that. I'd, Sorry, I'd, I'd just, I'd
0: just let me just take over, Mike. Yeah, no, take <laughs> over, please. I I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I I think you you had a you had to learn different perspectives on things, and uh, I I think a lot of the strengths that I have were from those draws, you know. And um, I drew out with big name guys that I learned from. I drew out with Kevin before. I drew out Who? with locals that nobody's ever heard of that I learned stuff from. So I think there was a learning element, but I think there was also. The element that Byron talked about, which is how to manage water, how to you know how to get along with people, how to negotiate, like that stuff's that's young guys don't have that nowadays. You know, no. they they've lost that. They've lost that element. So uh, I think there is something to it. You know, Pete, what are your thoughts on it?
3: Yeah, it, it was highly competitive. I mean, you you had to you had to stay in there and fight. I remember um, tournament the, my first year, I drew out with uh, Kevin and and I'm like I had to strategize because I'm like if if I just go with Kev cuz Kevin had already been angler of the year he'd already been a superstar and and if I go with him and just do what he I'm I'm going to lose my shot so I had to I had to battle with him at, over the coin toss on the boat I had to battle with him in in the but he was great to fish with him you know as it turned out you know it was but going in man you gotta you fight you gotta fight him? for everything and it really does man it, it's how hard it did you slap him Pete? Level.
5: yeah did you slap him <laughs> bitch slap <Maybe.
3: laughs> i didn't i didn't bitch slap him but i had a guy from uh in one of the tournaments that uh we we went to uh one of my spots and or he got so upset with me that he tried to bitch slap me <laughs> and uh <laughs> we we got into we got into a major major hostile and and this can't happen today skeet to your point like this this would never happen we're in the boat man and like we were we were flip like i decided his area wasn't working we went to my shallow dock flipping pattern and he was talking real loud, and I asked him if he could stop talking so loud, <laughs> which went over like a fart in church, you know. <laughs> and- but yeah,
2: <laughs> Skeet. I mean, moreover,
4: like- on your point with the younger generation, they don't have any idea that you got to use your index finger to, you know, to, for exclamation points, just so you can close the distance to get a proper slap in range. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they don't even know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well we i survived that with him and uh you know it took a long his face got so red i thought we were going down and and as it turned out it didn't happen but i am i am impressed byron yeah. i mean i've heard all kinds of tough talk from anglers oh that's son of a bitch pulled in on my spot i'm gonna kick his ass you know i'm gonna throw down I have never heard of a throwdown. (laughs) So that's the first time I've ever heard of one. You know what's funny?
5: I I heard a rule came in effect after that. So the rest of us, if you did, you were gonna Mm. you were never gonna fish again. So Mm. (laughs) you you You
1: know how many guys I can't tell you how many guys came up to me like Larry Nixon, everybody, and they all shook my hand. I had so many tour pros telling me that they had the same (laughs) thing happen from the same guy. The mm. same guy did it for them, wow. and there were so many guys that said, "Oh my God, if anybody deserved to finally be called out, and you know you, the punishment doesn't fit the crime, you should be banned for life." I mean, you you know, they sent me home that day from the tournament, but but they didn't they didn't they didn't keep me banned for life very long. It was only for an, two tournaments, and it was unfortunate because this guy had a reputation for doing that to a lot of other people, Damn. and he was known for being a, a guy that would steal your water. If you drew him the first day, you could count on him competing with him the rest of the tournament. Do, Do you regret not curling your fingers from the slap? You know, I actually re- – I'm glad I didn't get banned for life that day and they only suspended me from the tournament because if they would have banned me for life, I would have gone and killed them that night. That <laughs> night I was really gone looking for him. Oh. <laughs> I, I slapped him, and I drove home and then they decided to ban me for life. And I'm like, I need to go find this guy because if my fishing days are over yeah. and it's I'm be not a, a bass punch. master because of this guy, yeah. you know, it was – it was I, I and people laughed about me. I should have punched him, I should have done this, but I yeah. was just trying to get a point across that he didn't need to be on my water and yeah. you know I, it was that's it was awesome. an animated slap, but it it got bad yeah. i <laughs> i don't care I don't care what anybody slap.
0: says. these stories definitely in my opinion, these were the heydays of the sport, like yeah. you know we could never go back to it, right skate like you know yeah. like what we're talking about, we could never go back to that time <laughs> oh where gosh. This stuff was happening where they they'd let us go in eight foot waves and lightning storms. We could never go back to that. Those are the
1: good old days. The
4: good old days. The Wild West. I can't even get back to the rest of this show because this slap took me out, dude. I'm never (laughs) going to be able to hear nothing else. I can't stop. Days ruined. (laughs) All I want to talk about is this. You're just talking about the slap. That is a disrespectful way to tell a guy Uh, you're a bitch. is to open the
5: So here's a little. I mean, does anybody know that the byron is the inventor
1: of the Heiser? oh yeah the Heiser. Okay. the Heiser? Heiser. no and he the takes hyzer. all his hats and cuts them into visors oh the, yes
4: <laughs> oh wow wow that's true yeah it'd be yeah. a good hair it for started, that like,
1: it started with this hat right here this is a mercury this is an old mercury black max hat and i used to use this you know the u.s open i still finish the u.s open and the u.s opens every year now it's in october thank goodness but when the u.s open used to be in july under contract you're supposed to wear a black mercury hat well it's a thousand degrees at lake mead in july so i was cutting the top off them and then i came to realize that with when you cut the top off a hat it's more aerodynamic and it doesn't it doesn't blow off the wind actually blows up under and you don't lose your hat when you're wearing this thing you can drive this at 75 miles an hour and it
4: stays (laughs) right
5: you wanted your flow to blow in the air
4: (laughs) yeah but skeet was he Uh your influence for wearing a visor all the time everywhere
5: uh, I did wear a visor for a long time.
1: You wore a hyzer just like Scott Martin and everybody
4: I did, I did. else. <laughs>
5: yeah, but you're, you're the, you you're the originator.
4: So, if you guys yeah. got glorious hair, it's no different than guys with good arms glorious. that wear like sleeveless shirts. Like your, your hair is your arms. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> you got good no, hair. They got good hair. hair. That's true.
0: They do have good hair. They do have good hair. <laughs> oh, I, look at that. Yeah. Look at that thing. Locks. That's unbelievable. Uh, why I have you <laughs> skate? I know you have to run in a bit. Why I have you here? I do want to bring up something else. Uh, I want to talk something else about you guys, which is the West Coast guys, the West Coast anglers, including West Coast techniques. And I, we had this conversation with Cody Meyer a, a few, mu- few months ago on the show. It's unbelievable how many great, talented anglers are put out of the West Coast. These techniques, swim baiting, finessing, drop shotting, all these amazing techniques. Why is it then that the West Coast still seems like it gets a bad rap? Like, I can never wrap my hands around why the West Coast doesn't get the credit it's due. Why is that?
5: Well, I, I think it has gotten the credits due because you look at the anglers that have come from the West Coast and over the last 20 years we've made a hell of an impact on the sport. Yeah. So anybody yeah. that's denying what uh, myself or Byron or Aaron or Dean or John yeah. or anybody that's done, um, they're in denial because, yeah, yeah we, you know, we've re, and it goes back to the, the D Thomas, the Dave Glebe days, you know, D Thomas, mm-hmm. the original, the godfather of flipping. Um, So what I think California, the West coast, what is the problem on the West coast is you have a few cities, and you got a shitload of country in between. the desert and mountains where there's no population. Yeah. So you've got these little dense populations here and there, and a few lakes around. It's not like we're in the south where you've got ten thousand lakes, or you know, the north where there's little lakes everywhere. We got limited amount of bodies of water, um, that guys get to fish and right. it's very spread out so like for me to get to lake havasu for my house is a 10 hour drive yeah but it's still considered west coast um me to get to columbia river 15 hour drive it's not just a four or five hour six hour drive where like if you live in alabama you can be you can be in the shitload of lakes in a 10 hour drive right we don't have that luxury out here. Yeah. So we have smaller groups of fishermen and whether it's Southern California, it's Phoenix, it's NorCal, it's Oregon, Washington, you've got little pods here and there. But the one thing I will say that I still think the greatest fishermen have ever you know, been in the sport outside of KBD um, is, is the West coast guys, because we have the most diversified fishery here, I believe than any part of the country. Yeah. Um, uh, so from the Highland deep water, clear water reservoirs to tidal systems, to natural lakes, everything. And that's you know, that was a benefit for me. And I know Byron as well, growing up out here, you got Lake Mead, Lake Havasu, you got the Delta, you got Clear Lake, you got Shasta, Oroville, all completely different fisheries. So to be able to be good out here, you had to be versatile. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's where the, we've seen the anglers that have come across and um, we've, we have more versatility here but we've also had some of the best specialists come across from the West coast too, whether, well, you know, Aaron and with the drop shot and finesse fishing to, you know, frog fishing to flipping. Um, yeah. so that's That's my two cents.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I want to hear yeah. your opinion on it, Byron. Cause I don't, I don't think the West coast guys get enough credit, you know, for the impact. You know, on the
1: sport. And, and, and to that point, I was also, it was pointed out to me before, we have a lot less fish per acre here. You know, all you know, we're if we go out and get five or six or eight bites a day in some of our bodies of water, we're still fishing hard at the end of the day. Whereas a guy from back east, they're used to being on a lot more fish because they have so much, so many more fish in the water per acre than we do. We have some pretty empty bodies of water, and it's hard to get bit on all of our lakes. And we're also a little bit more versatile in that we're going shallow and deep. I I remember I was talking to some guys that I thought you know mentors of mine that that were interested more in the deep water bite because. Back in those days, like Skeet's talking about, we were fishing a lot deeper at Shasta and Oroville and Folsom and Mead and Mojave than than those guys back east were fishing. But but I, I think besides the U.S. Open, which is a fantastic event that I still think is worth fishing every year if I can, besides that major event on Lake Mead and and the the U.S. Open series, there there just isn't enough boats out here there's not enough, there's not a, a, a tour out here right you can make a living in texas fishing right now there are guys that are making a really good living here i live in san antonio now and there's guys around here that do great fishing the four or five different major texas trails yeah. and to skeet's point that is all washed up. That that disappeared with us. We can't win boats you know, on the West Coast like we used to. If you don't go out to the US Open and do well in the US Open, that's the only thing you have left out there. And it's unfortunate the sponsors don't recognize you. Yeah. When we when when we were doing it, when when Skeet and I and Murray were crushing it. And I know Skeet heard this too. You know, we were still considered a zip code fisherman. You could dominate the West Coast. You could crush them from all the way from the Columbia River, all the way down to to, to Lake Martinez, almost to Mexico, and everything in between in California, Arizona, Nevada. But the sponsors wanted nothing to do with you until you went back East. And I I had to go back East after I won the U.S. Open the second time. I had to use that money the second time to go on the tour because I wasn't going to get a sponsor. I went to every ICAST show I'm like I won my first US Open in 20, when I was 26. I won the second US Open when I'm like 33 and I can't get a sponsor unless I go back east and they all told me that. And and that was unfortunate yeah. and I think that's 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 the struggle Mike to your point. That that is the struggle. You can be a really good proficient fantastic West Coast fisherman yeah. but unless you do like, you know, Brad Height, Brett Erler you know, Skeet, I, Murray, you know, yep. uh, Aaron, everybody. Yeah. We don't go back east. They, they'll never hear about us. Yeah. Why?
0: why uh, this is a question for Skeet and Byron, too. Why Why won't the national trails keep going back out west? It's frustrating for me because uh, I, I know some of the, the answers. I know. That's what I'd say, too. Uh, I know some of the answers that you'll get from anglers. But, dude, the fisheries out there, the history, like why every other year, at least, won't these national trails go West? Why is that happening? Uh,
5: it's it's hundred percent business right now. Um, there's, there's a whole group of anglers out here that would like to support it and be involved with it. But it's the leagues, the expense for a league to come out here to the West coast their expenses double. And right now we are in the world, obviously this 2020 was a shit show for everybody not knowing what's going on, finances, economic Mm -hmm. impacts. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're in the world of PNLs and spreadsheets and every business is okay. So if it costs them an extra 10 or $20,000 to come out here for a series of events, that, that goes against the bottom line. I don't like it. I don't agree with it because there's such a huge community of fishermen still on the West coast out here. that yeah. want to support the yep. a a, a sport, the industry. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to get past that point because it is, yeah, there's, and, and I want that because Byron and I, I mean, we've made livings and careers being West coast anglers. Yeah. And I want to, I, I want that opportunity for more anglers in the future out here. So yeah. I'm fighting, every year to make sure that someday we're going to get back out here on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yep. What about,
3: what about participation? I gotta, I gotta call you to the carpet on this, uh, West coast. When they have the opens or the FLW, you know, tournaments out there,
1: the participation by the California anglers is low. You know, that's that that was during the that was during a bad recession in the economy. Right now, the US Open is 250 boats full every time. They got 230 boats for next year's open already, sixteen hundred dollar entry fee. And these guys are filling up and there's a waiting list for one tournament, the one US Open on Lake Mead. There's a waiting list to get on it. I barely got in last year. I, I, I got in at the last minute because a couple of guys dropped out and I didn't think I was gonna get in. And I was actually, I saw a window with my daughter being with her mom where I could actually drive out there and fish the open. But there is the, to Skeet's point, there is the anglers. They came from Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, Washington to the U S open last year. And, and they'll fill it up again this year, 250 boats, 300 boats, and they'll fill it all the way up.
5: And I, I don't, I believe we can get a hundred, 150 boats in a tournament out here, whether it's an, you know, whether it's a Toyota series, whatever it might be. You know the fact, the reality is that the cost of living on the West Coast is way greater than the rest of the country. Um, so disposable income, I think, is tighter for a lot of people, even though salaries can be higher. Yeah. um It's, and we're still dealing with. it's Fishing is not a way of life on the West Coast. Fishing and hunting is a way of life. Through, you know, once you get east of the Mississippi River, it's that's a way of life. The yeah. South and and so. Um, it's bred into the kids a whole lot more than it is out here. But on the flip side, there's a shitload of kids in high school programs, fishing programs on the West Coast these days. Yeah. So there's there's nice. tons of anglers coming up that want an opportunity, yeah. and the tournament trails that are that are here are doing well and thriving, and the numbers are good. Uh, so I still believe there's plenty of opportunity. Um, you know, are we going to have 250 boats on a, on a regular tour event? You know, whether Toyota series, probably not, not right. at this point in time, but I still believe that it's a viable, it's a viable consumer base out here and a, you know, we still, I think California has, is the second largest fishing license sales state in the United States. Wow. Second to Texas. Um, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of anglers here. Yep. Um, it, it's getting past the leagues to get past their P L's mm-hmm. to, You know, say, look, we got to we got to support those that are supporting us.
0: Yeah. Well, I I hope uh, for me, for one, I hope I hope I want to see a regular return to the West Coast. I hope that happens. All right. Real quick. uh, This this is Ike Live. There's only one rule in Ike Live, and that is you have to be truthful. Uh, Byron, this is going to be I'm going to start with you and then Skeet. I got the same question for you. And I'm going to I'm going to let you guys put each other on the spot. I know we heard some great stories already, but here it is. Byron, give us one story about Skeet that huh. nobody knows about that's a great story. <laughs> Ready? Go.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep in mind, he,
3: he, he, he was pretty harsh early on. That's <laughs> right. That's why I picked you first because he already talked about some of the great
0: stories about you. So we need to hear a Skeet story
1: That's epic.
4: He wasn't slapping, Byron. He came out punching. Remember that, all right?
1: (laughs) I don't know how many people know Skeet actually worked at a uh, male, at a a, a Chippendales. I mean, I don't know if it's well-known, but he was – I'm not saying he was actually dancing, even though supposedly he was MC Hammer's backup dancer. dancer. True story. He was friends with MC Hammer, and they used to do the don't touch this thing and wobble around their pants together. I heard that segue into some maybe bartender or waiter at a Chippendales venue, but wherever the girls go for dancing for dollars, Skeet was there. Skeet was involved with the Dancing for Dollars for Women, and I can guarantee you he's had a couple dollars stuck in his (laughs) G-string. Oh, no. Skeet Skeet used to dance for some dollars.
3: (laughs) Yes. All right, Skeet, you're up. There you go. The things
5: we do for money.
1: I want to say I really enjoyed being Skeet's friend all these years. I'm sad to see it end tonight.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that was a good one. That's going to be
0: hard to follow up, Skeet. But I know, uh, gotta be. I, I can think of like just my time knowing Byron. I can think of a couple hundred amazing stories that no one's ever heard. But give us, give us one. Give us a great story or, or something that happened over the years that no one knows about with Byron. <laughs>
2: Oof!
5: <laughs> um, so easy on me.
2: I kept it PG rated.
5: will <laughs> keep it pretty benign. So I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, a few years to bachelor years. I think the most entertaining portion for it, like for Murray and I, was so we know Byron, and we've been in clubs, and the. Hottest women in the entire club, the hottest blondes you could ever imagine, like 10 pluses, would be frothing over Byron. <laughs> in the corner with the trench coat, the long hair. It's true. He's just eating. And, I got to
0: see this you know, myself. You know,
5: and it's like, so here's just these mega hot blondes. <laughs> Byron doesn't like blondes. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so we're watching the bachelor so they got you know they got all these hot blondes on there crawling all over trying to make out with them and, and Byron, john and i were like murray's like that ain't gonna happen she's not dark enough <laughs> so the, darker the, skin, the wow. darker the skin the darker the hair the more byron was engaged so that's wow what all right, all
0: right. Wow, to have that. To, ha- to be selective. Dude, be selective. Dave, <laughs> oh, Dave. He, he,
5: he, he was selective. dude. Well, what? I shouldn't say that. Sometimes his, <laughs> call his calling process was pretty questionable at times. I, <laughs> <about.
1: laughs> I, mean, I we call that the screen at We didn't call properly. We've all made mistakes in calling. <laughs> I know Iconelli has too. that's <laughs> what I put, I put Iconelli on calling, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Oh,
4: my God. Oh, That's so awesome. Dave.
2: We've too. all been
1: around the country, and we've all made mistakes in calling. I am not going to go any further than that. Now,
4: there's a lot of people that never had a chance to make a mistake, dude. I think you're a little wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> and there's a lot of us that never and, had that mistake. And here's the thing. Most
0: of us mere mortals, yeah. we're, we're calling like two and three pounders, you yeah. know? What's it like he to be calling, calling 10. ten pounders? All the time. You're not even
4: calling them. You ain't even casting at them.
0: You're not even casting at (laughs) them because you don't even care about them. They're just 10s. You want the 12s and 13s. Darker ones. Dude, I'm looking for like a pound and a (laughs) (laughs) halfer. I'm I'm happy with the 1.8.
4: I don't give a shit. He's hunting for dark 15s. (laughs)
5: Love you, Byron.
4: (laughs)
2: Love you, Pete. the
3: The message board has to know. Skeet Reese you had you had fishing rods, but we need to know who handed out more rods for those
7: years on tour <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good question who handed out more rods? Uh-huh. who gave out the yeah who who gave out more rods for
1: those for those years on tour
5: uh, Byron gave out his rod a lot
1: more <laughs> <laughs> That's a shout out. I did not even come close to that. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Riz, Riz, what else we got coming through the message board? I know it's lit up. What else we got?
5: Yeah, I got, I got to run. So one one more question, I'm around. I got to peace out. All
0: right, give us one more for Skeet, Riz. What do we got? Right. Um. So I got a question for,
3: for Byron, and it goes back a little bit on when you guys were getting started together, or not not together, but, you know, getting started in your fishing. Who was a, a big mentor for each of you?
5: That's Go ahead, one.
0: Skeet. That's a good one.
5: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, real, the reality is, like, for me, there's there three people that stick out for me. So, Byron was a mentor to me, John Murray, and D. Thomas.
0: Yeah. Great list. D. Thomas. Great Again. list.
3: Every, D. Thomas has influenced everybody from the West Coast. A
0: lot. Almost almost everyone.
3: Almost everyone. The everything. entire
5: country. If you if yeah. you have a flipping stick in your hand, then he influenced you. Yeah. Yep.
0: That's amazing. That's okay. amazing. Skeet, we, pre- we appreciate you joining, Skeet. Enjoy Thank your you, dinner, Skeet. Yeah. Thank you. That was Skeet Reese, everybody. That was dope. That was awesome. That was awesome. By- Byron, who who would be your three top three mentors early on? There
1: was a guy. There was a guy that got me started in fishing, who was my neighbor, who really is still like a dad to me. His name's Steve Oliver, and he he made he made a living fishing when I was just a little kid, and I went on these tournament trails with him, and I was. 13 years old, 14 years old. I was a bad boy at tournaments. So I, and this was West coast tournaments. And this guy was in all my West coast magazines. And for me loving bass fishing at 10, 11, 12 years old, it was like living down the street from Joe Montana and wanting to play football. You know, I I had a guy in my magazines who happened to be a part-time professional fisherman. And so Steve Oliver was really the guy that got me started. He introduced me to tournament bass fishing And again, like I said, he would take me to all the tournaments around the Western United States in the camper, and I was fishing off the bank during the day, and I would keep track of all the fish I caught off the bank around the marina, you know, and I was lighting them up, and I felt I could beat everybody, so I was getting a lot of confidence from it. But he was just, and he always tried to explain, hey, you're not even in a boat, you're just fishing around a marina, you don't understand. But I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. I was happy to work the bags and hand out bags to all the pros, ask for their autographs, and so Steve got me into professional fishing and then Rick Klun actually met me at the U.S. Open. I drew Rick Klun twice at the U.S. Open and I drew Gary Klein as well. And when I drew Rick, I was in college and he kind of, after I won it, no, I almost won it when I was 24, I got like third or fourth and he knew what happened to me and he knew the story of me drawing a guy in the last day that, that, that wouldn't even let me go back to the fish. And Rick Klun was fishing the area. And on the last day of the U.S. Open, he goes, where were you? And I was in second, actually, going into the last day of the U.S. Open. And I drew a guy that was in 50th. And again, he flipped a coin against me. He uh, wanted to fish out of his boat, and I didn't get to go to my fish. And that was a really bad deal, you know, being in second place for the U.S. Open. So Rick Klun talked me into doing it professionally. And he's the one that said, you need to go back east. You know, you're a talented young angler. You're in your mid-20s, and, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in second place in the U.S. Open and not be able to go back to your fish because of a, of a flip of a coin and a bad partner. So he became my mentor for sponsors, and he became my mentor. And to this day, I still talk to Rick regularly, but Rick Klum was truly, as a young man, a yeah. person that helped me see my way through this
2: sport.
0: Yeah,
1: that that's awesome because wow. I think for a lot of us, Byron, over here on the East
0: Coast too, even though we didn't have that personal connection with Rick, he was very inspirational for a lot of us, too, uh, as we were young anglers. So it's awesome to hear that. Byron, right.
4: I got a question, and it don't pertain to fishing. I want to mm. know, <laughs> what is the funniest? like. Th- so I need you to answer this, not as the stud that you are. Answer it to mere mortal men <laughs> like myself and <laughs> everyone here that never had broads falling all over them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what is the funniest post-bachelor, like, stalker, weird thing? Do you have anything funny you could think of that, like a, like, a chick came up and did to you?
1: You know, I, I got a funny story during, right after The Bachelor. It's kind of weird that it's turned out to be this, but I was in the green room for the – for I was doing – they flew me to New York, and this is – it wasn't Stalker Crazy chick but I got a couple of those that are worth telling, but, but it was really weird. Fast forward to where we are now. I'm in a green room, and Lenny Kravitz is sitting across from me playing guitar, and he's ignoring everybody because Lenny Kravitz is too cool for school and doesn't talk to anybody in the green room. But sitting next to me is Melania Trump, and she's Whoa. having this ongoing conversation with me about who I picked. And she tells me Donald is convinced I picked the brunette, but she thinks I picked the blonde and she <laughs> can see the love. And she gets Donald Trump on the phone. And I talk to Donald Trump and I, an ABC handler sitting next to me. So I can't say anything to either of them. Not that I would, but I'm thinking to myself, and this is pre presidential, this is back Whoa. when he was just for the apprentice, but I'm kind of freaking out that Melania and Donald are having a very animated conversation about who I picked on The Bachelor, wow. and she went so far as to get him on the phone and have me talk to him <laughs> and, 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 and go back and forth trying to read me to figure out if I picked the blonde or brunette before the final rose wow. ceremony. That was a weird, weird moment in my life to have Lenny Kravitz playing guitar and Melania and Donald Trump on the phone and sitting next to me. Is that she stunning
4: the- in person? Stunning, oh my yeah. God,
1: stunning, yes. And, 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 and I could, oh geez, I could, I could go on about the story, but yeah, she was wearing a very sheer top with nothing underneath and I was staring at, anyway, yeah, she's beautiful.
4: Wow. Paint the picture. I saw everything,
1: I saw everything from the waist up and I was impressed.
4: Now, is this pre-Baron? Pre what? Pre-Baron, before she had a kid,
1: before she had Baron? Oh yeah, 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 no, this was 15 years ago.
4: Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. Can you imagine I know, I on her door?
1: It's before they had a kid. They were, I think they, they were grooming her to be on The View and I was on The View with her, but they were, she was going to be a host of The View so she was doing multiple segments on The View with Barbara Walters and everybody. No, and I'm glad she didn't go was there with those hyenas.
4: You're glad she didn't go She speaks five languages. She's too good for those hyenas. They're wretched. They're wretched <laughs> demons. They're fucking, don't get me started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very elegant and then yeah. Yeah, I've had there were some stalker people that would wake you up on the airplane. You know when you get an airplane and you get a seat and you go to bed and you're happy you have a whole row? And as soon as the thing would say seatbelts can come off, you would have a woman come over and wake you up to talk about The Bachelor.
2: Wow. Times,
1: and they shake you. They come over and they sit down next to you. Now that the <laughs> plane is off in 30,000 feet and they wake you and you've got your head down and you're sleeping and they shake you and they want to talk about The Bachelor and why you didn't pick somebody and who you're going to pick
4: next week like they think it's uh, wrong. See, now Byron out. here's where your handsome privilege uh, it oozes like none <laughs> of us get a seat by ourselves we never have rows i got the fat guy on one side <laughs> and the, the rotten smelly kid that smells like syrup on the other side <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> it's like there you go already with the well, uh, i got the whole row to myself uh, sleeping <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and dave's also only been <laughs> on two flights his whole life so get out of here one to disney <laughs> and one to south brunswick <laughs> that was <is> it uh <laughs> Uh, Byron, can I ask you can, you, can you, we've got one more segment coming up. Can you hold on with yeah. us? We'd love to talk with you for about 10 more minutes in our last segment. Can you hang sure, in with absolutely.
1: us? Absolutely. I'll go check on my daughter and her friend, and I think we're good. Okay. Can, all right. Can you be
4: on every show from here on out, too? Yes, that too. Uh, all
0: right. Listen, everybody, uh, if you're watching right now, you're watching the one and only Byron Velvic. Hang in there with us. We're going to take a little break when we come back, our last segment with the one and only Byron Velvic.
7: Byron Velvic. Hi, today we're going chest to chest in the Dr. Squatch lather test. On that half of Mike's impressive chest, we're rubbing him down with three name brand bars. The result? A sad milky film of disappointment. How's that feel, Mike? You see, Big Soap cuts corners and strips out all the sudsy goodness in order to make production cheaper. But not Dr. Squatch! Don't worry, Mike. Dr. Squatch soap retains all the natural ingredients, which creates a rich, foamy lather, leaving your skin healthy, soft, and clean. Ooh, looks like Squatch is taking over this peck party. How do you feel now, Mike? Dr. Squatch natural soap. When we say it lathers, it f***ing lathers. You deserve glorious lather. Take the lather challenge for yourself today.
6: Four and a half inch drop shot worm. a Bug. Finesse Jig, PB and J, give me something hard. Hey, KBD here. Now, I didn't always know this much about fishing. Three-aught, no, four-aught EWG worm hook. In fact, there was a time when I couldn't tell the difference between a jerk bait and a stick bait. But then I signed up for Mystery Tackle Box the original monthly tackle subscription. And now, I know more about fishing than I do about calculus. And he knows a lot about calculus. Plus, I get amazing extras, like free fishing magazines. October 2016, featured article, four places to throw a frog, exclusive decals, (coughs) zombie bass, and how-to videos for all the great baits I receive. How to tune a crankbait. Is that underwater footage I smell? I got goosebumps. So if you're looking to develop enhanced fishing abilities like me, or you just like getting new tackle every month, go to mysterytacklebox.com and get your box today. Ooh, live minnows! Is it lunchtime already? Nature's candy. Oh, is he in my pocket? This time of year, I definitely recommend putting a little bit of this on your soft plastics too. There he is. Another one. Next cast. And that would be number six. I'm addicted. I'll admit it. I'm I'm straight addicted. Might be bigger. You think so? Yeah.
7: Oh my
6: god, that's such a healthy fish, look at the ah. yeah. sun. Put a little liquid mayhem
0: on your crappy jig, and look where the stripers get it. You can't, you can't even see it, man. That might be a
2: keeper. <laughs> you always make me laugh, right <laughs> the camera comes on.